This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. My name is Mark Boyd and you listen to the Blue Army Podcast. Hello, my name is Derek Combs and I listen to the Blue Army Podcast. Alright me Mares, how's it going? Welcome back to the Blue Army Podcast and this week is... Special. This week is not only our last ever summer schedule episode, well I say last ever, probably going to do another one next summer, Uh, and you can go back and listen to our summer schedule with amazing interviews with the likes of Derek Holmes, uh, the Afro Gold Machine, Jason Price, uh, Alex Mitchell, and obviously now we have today bringing you our final ex-pro interview with Mr. Mark Boyd. Mark Skip Boyd played for a plethora of teams, including uh, he signed his first professional contract at Newcastle United, uh, then played for Port Vale, then Carlisle, then went over to Gretna during the Brooks Milesons years, and uh, yeah, Celtic Nation, Workington, Barrow, the list goes on. He went over to Ireland and played over there. Obviously, with such a vast career, it was impossible for me to try and get Mark to talk about absolutely everything. Currently, Mark is the radio commentator for the Barrow Games. So, we're going to be having Mark back during the season around the Barrow game to talk to us about Barrow and how he feels the Carlisle-Barrow rivalry is developing. So we've got all that to look forward to and as well as we'll carry on talking about the rest of his career when he eventually comes back. But on today's episode, we managed to talk about what it was like when he signed his first professional terms at Newcastle. We speak a lot about what he's been doing currently, which is working with Carlisle United favourite Chris Lumston in his coaching academy role, obviously working with Radio Cumbria as the Barrow commentator. We ask him his opinion on Ofren Zanzala making the move over that way and Farman making the move over that way. And we also get him to give us some predictions as well. So it wasn't an easy ride for Mark, but yeah. 
all that to look forward to. It's been a fantastic summer schedule. Thank you for your continued support. Games kick off on Saturday. Carlisle are playing Colchester and we cannot wait. Unfortunately, yours truly has come down with the old COVID. Now, before you start having a go at me, I've been vaccinated, actually. I had my first vaccination. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I tested positive for COVID and will not be able to attend the Colchester game. Wills will be attending the Colchester game, so we'll get all of that lovely stuff to talk about next week on the show. Really excited to be doing match reports again, um, but it's not necessarily going to be a match report this season. I feel like there's another podcast out there in the world of audio entertainment that do quite a good job of the old match reports and uh, it's not necessarily something I enjoy doing statistics and and numbers but I do like to give my opinion I like to be passionate Uh, I like to talk about football so that's kind of the direction we're going to be going into next season obviously we're going to talk about the games themselves probably not going to break it down in such a boring format but anyway that's all to look forward to next week on the show, Carlisle United versus Colchester's match report with myself and Wills. This week is our interview with Mark Skip Boyd. And obviously, before we just jump into an interview, or in fact any Blue Army podcast show, we have to adhere to our traditions. And we all know what that means. <coughs> is he having a laugh? I think he's trying to. <laughs> The Blue Knock knock edition. Here we go. Another couple of knock knock jokes for you. You get two for the price of one. This might be it, by the way, guys. This might be the last knock knock edition. Here we go. Knock knock. Who's there? Pudding. Pudding who? Putting on your shoes before your trousers is a bad idea. All right. If you want to, if you want to listen to the jokes again, you just, just skip backwards fifteen seconds. Anyway, knock knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting cow. Moo. Moo. I think that one works better when there's when there's somebody else in the yeah somebody else doing it. In fact, I think like all not not jokes probably do better when there's somebody else talking back to you. So that was probably the last. Blue Army podcast joke of the week, knock knock edition. We'll move on. We'll move on. We'll move on to something else next week. In fact, you know what? I'll do. I'll give this another go. We had a couple of jokes sent in when I was asking for them. So yeah, if you've got a joke that you find absolutely hilarious and you want to share it with myself and the rest of the listeners on the Blue Army podcast, please send that joke in any form. You can write it down. You can do a voice note, and I will play the voice note on the podcast um, to the Blue Army Pod at gmail.com one more time that is the blue army pod at gmail.com okay so if you've got a joke of the week that you want to send in please send it in it saves me a job and i like a bit of interaction with you guys right onwards with the show and it is an interview with mark skip boyd mark thank you very much for the time that you spent with us and i can't wait to have you back there was no chance in hell i had enough time to cover your entire career and i will be looking forward to having you back 
on the podcast around the same time that Carlisle played Barrow in November. And obviously we can get your views on the Cumbrian derby that would have happened that week. So exciting times. Now we've got some ex-pros coming in to give us some analysis after games. So, you know, onwards and upwards with the podcast. And I really, really hope you guys enjoy our last episode of the summer schedule with myself having a conversation with Mark Skip. Boyd. All right, crack on with the show. And uh, yeah, just thanks a lot for coming along for the summer ride. Really enjoyed it. And uh, can't wait to get cracking on with the rest of the season. Thanks a lot. All right, bye for now, Maris. All right, thanks very much for joining me. No problem. Hello and welcome to this, the Blue Army podcast. And on today's pod, it's my pleasure to introduce a man who embodies the word Cumbrian. Please turn your headphones up for ex-professional footballer turned commentator and now coach, Mark Boyd. How are you doing? I'm all good, mate. I'm all good. How are you? I'm grand, mate. I'm grand. All the best. All the better for seeing you. Um, Obviously, we'll we'll talk about something a little bit current. So the Euros have just finished recently. Uh, How did you enjoy the journey from beginning to end? Do you know what? I really did enjoy it, to be honest. Um, I got really into it, um, like like obviously the whole country did. But I was out and I was out and about celebrating. Um, sorry, watching the, them go through the rounds and obviously celebrating at the, the end of each game. And and just the way it finished, it's so disappointing, isn't it? I mean, it's it's one of them where I was just so gutted. I still am. I still am. Um, I just really thought we were going to do it. I'm sick of singing that song every every tournament. It's coming home, so I thought we we're going to get rid of that as well. Uh, but obviously. We'll- <laughs> Singing it, won't we? <laughs> That's it. We'll just have to carry on. We'll just have to carry on, mate. We'll just have to carry Keep on. It. Were you amongst the crowd on Botchigate? Were you one of the many thousands? <laughs> you know what? I was actually quite close to it, but I wasn't in and amongst it. I'm too old for all that now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was. I, I did see it from uh, from where I was, and it was uh, it was a, it was some sight, believe me. But you know what? It was great to see, especially after the last year, eighteen months. That, Everyone was out and about and celebrating and, and having something to, to to put a smile on people's faces was, was great to see. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, segues very well into my next question. It says, um, as part of one of your day jobs, you are a coach. Um, and a big part of being a coach is being able to motivate players and also give them the traits to motivate themselves. So with that being said, what could you say to help motivate the England team and the fans to rally them towards next year's World Cup? We'll question that. Do you know what? I don't think we're a million miles off being challenging for the World Cup because when I think when you look at South America, I don't think I don't think any team blows anybody away who's been in the Euros and people go on about the side of the draw we're on and things like that. But you've still got to you've still got to beat beat the teams on the way. And we've took Italy, who personally I do think were, were the best team in the tournament. We've took them all the way to penalties. And I just think with the young, with the young youngness and the freshness of the of the England squad now, and, and you see they just all seem really, really close knit, which is which is not out well, not out over the years because you've had all the superstars like Gerard and Lampard and all them, all them lads, and there seems to always be a bit of divide when it comes to I think that was sort of the club football that made that happen, but I do get the impression now that they're they're all in it together. Um, I'll hold my hand up and say I wasn't too keen on the manager when he got appointed, but I'm one of his biggest fans now. Um, I think he's excellent. Um, I think he obviously he's got a good backroom staff and things like that. And I just think we're going the right direction. And obviously getting into the final, they're doing something right. Um, so 
just going into the World Cup pretty much more of the same and with a little bit more luck, you never know where, where we can get. Yeah, so the likes of Argentina and Brazil don't necessarily worry you when it comes to the World Cup? Obviously, they'll worry you, yeah, but I do think you can go out there and, and, and definitely match them. Um, and, and, and as I say, if you get that little bit of luck on the day, it's, it's always going to be by the odd goal in them sort of games, isn't it? So it's, uh, it's one of them where, I mean, they only, we didn't concede many goals in the Euros, did we? I think it was two um, in a major tournament. I think that's, it, it, there won't be many better records, will there? Um, so going forward, I think we're, we're electric going forward. So I think they've got the, the mixture of, of the right things that they need to, to go and challenge them sort of countries. I think what we can definitely say about this England squad under Southgate is that they are a team with multiple options. We don't have to play fluid attacking football in every game. If the opposition won't necessarily let us play it, we can sit with uh, three, at the, three at the back like we did against Italy with the wing backs, or we can we, we can pile very talented players into that midfield that can that can help a lone striker. Or obviously we were playing Kane and Sterling together, so I think that definitely benefits the England squad. And when I was talking about the uh, South American counterpart there the Argentinians and the Brazilians they do seem like one trick ponies so in that sense I think England might have the upper hand I think we've got a game plan for them so yeah definitely uh, have some confidence going into the World Cup so what I like to do Mark when I get an ex-pro on the Blue Army podcast is start with the same icebreaker question that I give to every single ex-pro okay so the question is as follows Having played professional football means that you are blessed with a number of core athletic traits, such as balance, strength and agility, just to list a few. With that being said, in a world that football never existed, what other sport could you have imagined yourself playing professionally? Um, Something that didn't involve having to be a fast runner. That's one thing. Um, snooker, dart. I've got them. I'm about, I'm, that's my sort of uh, limit now. I think. But now, nah, um, do you know what? It was always just. It was just strictly football with me. I, I, you've, you've caught me off guard there. But I do love the sport. Don't get me wrong. I do love the other sports. But um, I think the more or less the more or less athletic that you'd have to be, the better for me. I think. So we'll uh, we'll go with dart or snooker, shall we? <laughs> Derek Holmes said something very similar. He said table tennis or snooker or pool or something along those lines. And my comment to that was they're, they're sort of single player sports. So uh, that might have given you a very different sort of career that you might not have enjoyed so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So uh, what we normally do after the icebreaker is that we'll dive into the uh, guest's career history. But... Yeah. You have a bit more local knowledge than the average guest. You are a commentator over at uh, Barrow, and you also have uh, roots in Carlisle with Chris Lumsden's Coaching Academy. So keeping things up to date and current, I'll first talk about your, uh, your coaching role with Chris Lumsden's Coaching Academy. Is that your first step into coaching, and how did that come about? Um. Do you know what? He phoned me out of the blue about six months ago and um, we had like a long chat on the phone and he, he, he told me sort of his plans going forward that obviously it's one-to-one elite coaching. It's called Lumsden one-to-one elite coaching and and we sort of, we do it most nights for two or three hours a night and it does take up a lot of our time but it's, it's very rewarding. Um, obviously you see the improvement in kids who, who 
they not generally want to make it as a footballer. They just want to be the best they can at the game that they love. Um, and, and we sort of, we put sessions on for them. Um, obviously, we, we look at what sessions are available um, from, from coaching businesses that have been going around for years and get ideas. And we sort of take them and, and we integrate things that we, we, we've done over our career and, and place them in. And it's good when you get somebody to come down. The most rewarding thing for me is just seeing somebody after an hour's coaching with really rosy red cheeks, sweat on, um, walking off with a smile, having a drink of the water bottle. And it's, it's just very, that's, that, that's the most rewarding for me because you know you've you've given them something that, that they really enjoy doing. But we've got some really good kids. Um, obviously, there's we do the mental health side of things as well. We go into schools and, and things like that and talk about anxiety, etc. Um, I mean, a lot, a lot of young kids have been going through that. Obviously, with the pandemic, um, they've been away from the friends. And I think as adults, you tend to cope with things a little bit better um, through life experiences. But for a kid, I think it's very difficult because as a kid, you, you, you most go through the same process of, of being a certain age and always being a school, always being off at the same time. But when you're taken away from that, and it's not it's not normal, um, and you're taken away from your friends and you can't see them. I do think kids can become very vulnerable. Um, so we 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 go in and we just we try and make it fun. We go in to schools for a couple hours at a time with, with like one year group, and obviously we'll do the we'll do the football side of things first, and, and sort of like get to know them as well we can in in, in the hour that we that we're with them, and then when we go into the classroom with them, they feel a bit more comfortable around us, and they've sort of got to know us over the first hour. Um, and then they do open up to us, and we've 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 really we've really um, had our eyes opened at, at what some of the kids have been through over the last year to um, last year to eighteen months, and and they do like to they do like to talk about it and things, and and it's um, sorry that's my dog. Um, it's, uh, it's 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 been really good, and we've been going four or five months, and and we're really into it. We're really into it. We we, we want the business to grow. Um, I mean, Chris is very organised and he's, he talks a lot of sense. Um, I mean, he's a mental health ambassador. Um, he's been there, done it as far as top level football and, and and through the leagues and things like that. And he's he's got he's got his head screwed on. He's um, he's a wise old head, should we say? And um, <laughs> I do I do I do like working alongside him. And I think we we work well together. And and that's what we want to do. And that that's very rewarding because the, the schools that we have been into. Um, we always get good feedback from the teachers and, and, and there's some kids that open up who that they get quite shocked at, who are really quiet, but sometimes that they do open up and and that's nice to hear. So, so that's the other side of it. But I mean, our bread and butter is, is just Monday to Friday when we've still got our jobs um, that we do. So obviously we, we're based at Warwick Bridge um, in Carlisle and, and, and we have our clients and we, we do like sort of obviously one-to-one or groups of two, three, four, and we do the odd the odd bigger group, um, but we've got some real good kids um, between the ages of seven to say fourteen who are who are, who are linked, with, who are obviously play for clubs like Carlisle. We've got kids from Fleetwood and and things like that. Um, but we're not affiliated to any club, so we that that's that's good for us because we can just concentrate on them. Uh, we don't have any any opinion on what they should do with who they play football for or. Should he sign for them or should he do this? That's not that's not for us. It's for their parents to. That's their job. That, that obviously they're their, their parents. Do you know what I mean? Um, we just want to improve them. Um, and over the last four months, we have seen big improvements in in our clients. So it's uh, it's not only enjoyable; it's it's very rewarding. 
It sounds like an amazingly uh, well-run business and it's growing really strong. Um, but I feel like some of my listeners being parents uh, with young kids who play football in the local area in the Sunday leagues and stuff like that, they might be interested just to hear a few examples of, of, of those issues that these kids are coming up with, if you don't mind sharing one or two of the ones that come up more regularly. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 a, lot, a lot that came across to us was, and a lot of them got lonely, um, but they just kept it to themselves. Um, anxious about returning to school after layoffs, you know, after the after it's lockdown and, and and some didn't want to come back to school. And and once they got back, it was obviously it was fine because the kids just get back into a routine when they're all with each other. But they were really nervous about coming back in. And, and we just sort of like try and tell them how to, how to deal with it and if it happens again what 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 do they enjoy doing as fun like do they like to watch do they play on game consoles do they read do they watch certain things or just just try not to I know it's hard, it's easier said than done but just not overthink things um and just and just sort of put the mind at ease but a lot of it was I, I mean a lot of them do get anxiety and they don't know how to deal with it because they're only young um and when they hear us talking about it, they're like, oh, yeah, that, that sort of, yeah, that sounds a bit like I, like I was. And you'll, you'll see more and more of the kids joining in as the hour goes on. Um, and, the, and, the, and by the end of all the hands up, they all speak to you. And they all, uh, which is great because then you see you get something back then. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of loneliness goes on in the pandemic. But at the same time, I don't think it's anybody to blame for that. It's, it's, it's just a natural feeling, isn't it? Um, there's nobody, I mean, parents are always going to ask the kids if they're all right. But if they say, yeah, I'm okay, they say they're okay. And, I mean, obviously, you can see changes in behaviour and things like that. But it was it's just nice to go in and and, and, um, and get feedback off, off anything between seven and ten-year-olds and, and they tell us little stories about the pandemic and how it's been for them. And, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting but really enjoyable. I feel like a lot of people would have found that very helpful, Mark. Thanks very much for that one. No um, bother. Back to the questions I have written down. Having a couple of ex-pro interviews being linked with Carlisle, I've got a couple of stories about Chris Lumpston in the bag, and they're always very popular. Um, what is it like working with Chris Lumpston? Uh, and and is, it, is it almost a daily basis that you're now in contact with each other? Yeah, we're on to each other all the time. By WhatsApp <laughs> yeah. and things like that. Um, um, he's not shy, should we say. Um, is <laughs> the confident type. But listen, it's all in jest a lot of the time. He likes to talk about the day he played at Stamford Bridge, even though he got hammered 4 0. He still likes to tell you that he had that Premier League badge on his arm. So, <laughs> but no, we, we have honestly, we have a great laugh. We've, we've played with the same lads over the years and we have a laugh about them. And I mean, we've only played against each other once. Um, and he doesn't like talking about that because we won 3 1, so he doesn't like that one. But yeah, <laughs> but no, listen, he's a great lad. And obviously, he done fantastic things for this, for, for Carlisle United, didn't he? He was, he was a mainstay in a, in a team that was very, very good and very successful. Um, and he's still very well thought of in the town of, of people. So I think it's, it's a good thing that he's, um, that he started this business because he wants to give back. Obviously, we both do. And I mean, we're only five or six months in, but. Long may it continue because we both really enjoy it. But more, more, and more importantly, it's 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 very, very rewarding, and, and that's the main thing about it. I noticed on your Instagram that you guys uh, recently got a CPR dummy, and you've been offering out free tutorials to coaches and parents when you're visiting the areas, and the kids are going to be there. 
Um, obviously, that's very different to coaching, shooting and passing drills and, and things like that. It's a, it's, it's a bit more serious because you're dealing with like fully grown adults as well. How have, yeah. you, been, how have you been finding that making that transition and, and, you know, having to talk to adults and coach adults? Um, In something I mean, that's all- very serious, obviously. You know, it's a very serious <laughs> procedure. Obviously, it comes from what happened to Christian Eriksen. Um, and obviously, it, listen, it takes two, or three, two, two, three, four minutes at the end of a session to show people the basics of, of possibly saving somebody's lives. And we thought it was, was important to do that. We offer it. Um, most people take us up on that offer. Um, we show them and, and we make sure they're doing things right, how, how to do it and things like that. And I mean, hopefully nobody ever has to use it. That's, 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 uh, that's what you don't want. But if it ever came down to it and someone had to use it and it saved one life, then all well and good. But, in a perfect world, you never want any anybody to have to have to do it, do you? No, absolutely not. Do you have a do you have a nickname for the dummy yet? No, we don't actually. We don't. <laughs> You're no, developing we don't. those feelings. It's probably the better. It's probably for the best. It's probably for the best. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you guys and go through uh, the Lumsden Elite uh, coaching? It's just social media. I mean, Instagram is. Um, we've got Lumsden Elite coaching on on Instagram. Um, Obviously, I'm on Instagram, so if anybody wants to reach out, they can just send us a private message and we'll happily exchange numbers and, and we can take it from there. We're very easy to contact. Um, so, yeah, just, just through, through Instagram, really. And as I say, we are busy, but we're always, we're always um, open to people. If people want, want our services, just get in touch. Yeah. So, obviously, CPR and all that kind of stuff, very serious, very serious. But your other day job... Um, isn't necessarily so serious. It's a bit more lighthearted. Hopefully you have a bit more fun with it. Your other day job is there being a football commentator at Carlisle's Cumbrian Rivals, Barrow. Uh, how long has that been going on for? And how did you get into commentary? What happened was, I, when, I re- when I retired, um, I went, when I went to, I, I went, Celtic Nation were my last sort of serious, I was really giving it my all with the football and, I got to about 33, 34, and I was going to have another crack at working um, when Derek Townsley and, and, and David Houston was a manager. And I think I went to one session and I thought, I don't want to do this anymore. I, for the simple reason, I didn't really feel up to it. Um, and I live in the same estate as James Phillips. And we just bumped into each other, as simple as that. And he says, oh, it's pre-season started. I went, I, I've done, I'm done. And he just said, you know what, I might have something for you. So I was like, oh, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not doing anything. So whatever it is, let me know. He said, well, obviously you had five good years at Barrow and I got on well with everyone there and things like that. So they asked me to, to start doing the away games. And what the agreement was, was do away games for Barrow. But if, if Lummy couldn't do any car games, I'd step in and do them. So I said, yeah, let's, let's, let's give it a try. And, and that was about four or five years ago and it's uh I'm glad I did because it, it keeps me sort of involved you know and and, and it's uh it's, it's really enjoyable so after playing over 80 games for Barrow winning at Wembley uh FA Cup runs galore you must be a bit of a celebrity in Barrow no <laughs> no definitely not uh no do you know what that's what keeps me sort of in touch with with the fans and the, and the people and the direction that's still there because of, I think the success we had through the, through my time there. I mean, the first was the playoff final in the conference North. I, I still remember it. We got beat in my first game against Staley bridge two one. 
and I'd just been in Ireland for a year and I thought I didn't really have a good feeling about it but then we won the, we didn't lose for the next 24 games and we ended up sneaking in the playoffs and, and winning the final 1-0 against Staley Bridge Celtic who we lost the first game against so it was it was good to uh, to get back up to the conference that was the first year and then it just snowballed after that I mean we got two third rounds against premiership teams um, Middlesbrough one year Sunderland the next which they were unbelievable experiences massive stadiums some famous players on on show. Um, then there was Wembley, and it just goes on and on. It was just a real golden, golden sort of few years, and I was lucky to be a part of it, and and, and loved it, and, and still do love the club. It's it, it's got a real, it's really something I keep close to me because of, of the times I had there. That lends really nicely into that sort of my next question. It says, commentating for Barrow must mean you have a high interest in the club. Myself, as a Carlisle fan, we saw the FA Cup runs and heard about the FA Trophy finals. Um, but when you guys appeared in the English Football League, it took a lot of us by surprise. We were joyful that you were joining us in the Football League. Um, but maybe... Can you uncover um, what the route was to that success? Where it kind of started? Where what happened at Barrow for you guys to jump through those divisions and get yourselves in the English Football League? Do you know what I mean? When we come out of the Conference North, our main objective was just to stay in the in the National League um, because we were one of the smaller clubs in it, and we managed that. We stayed up for a few years, and they did. After I left, they did go down again, um, and then they came back up. Um, but it all just it all just started when they, when they managed to get hold of Ian Everett. Um, I mean, he, obviously he played for Blackpool in, in the Premier League. Um, he was a young up and coming manager, and he got a squad a squad of players together that just romped the league. And I mean, it took everybody by. There won't be any Barrow fans who won't say they were surprised either, because mm. it was just a massive. I mean, it's it, it's not expected of a club of that size, but it's been a lot of years since they've been in the league. Um, and, and last year wasn't great because of no fans, etc. And they just just got over the line survival-wise. But I've just seen the squad that um, they've put together for this season under, under Mark Cooper. And I'm very, very optimistic that they can do quite well um, because they've got some real, real talent in that squad. I got to I got to agree with that um, because there's a couple of ex Carlisle players in that squad. But we'll come <laughs> we'll come to that one. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to that one. We'll have a little word about that one. It says, um, yeah. also, um, Carlisle and Barrow, we were all affected by COVID-19. Carlisle fans might feel like we were robbed a little bit more than the average fan. We had that month off period, but it robbed us of the Cumbrian derby. Um, what are your expectations when the fans are finally allowed back in the stadium and, and, and for a Cumbrian derby? Is it sellout? Is it, is it, is it going to set the town a buzz? Like what? What, what's it like in yeah, Barrow? Do they, do they care about the Cumbrian derby? Yeah, they do. They do. I mean, you'll, you'll see. You'll see. Holker Street will be full. Carlisle will take. Carlisle will take a good following, and Holker Street's not, not not as big as Brunton Park, so that will be packed to the rafters. And when that place is packed, it's a it's really noisy and it's a good place to play. Um, but you'll see, you'll see as well that Barrow will bring a lot of fans to Carlisle as well. It'll be the biggest away following of the season and. And it's good to build up a rivalry like that, isn't it? And and, and a derby and, and and bragging rights and things like that. I think it's the excitement builds a couple of weeks before, and and uh, I'm really looking forward to it because it was, I mean, the, the last one I remember it. I mean, Barrow were terrible on the day. Um, Carlisle won. I think it was one nil at Brum Park. It was pouring down. It was empty and it was just rubbish. The game was just honestly, it was just rubbish, and it was. 
that wasn't a derby, but that was like a lot of last season. Empty stadiums, it's you just can't explain. It's, it's a bit eerie at times. You just with no fans there, it's so different. I can't, and you just can't wait for them to get back in. <laughs> now, there's been a couple of transfers from one end of Cumbria to the other end of Cumbria across the long history, not just recently. Uh, going backwards and forwards, it's not just a one-way street. But most recently, Ofren Zanzala and Paul Farman shocked Carlisle United fans by turning down their deals and signing with Barrow. Um, from, from what I've heard, the Barrow fans aren't even that excited about Zanzala. Is that is that just completely made up fathom, or what's what's the vibe for those two players coming that way? Do you know what? I think they're excited about the squad as a whole. So obviously they are because they're a part of it. But I mean, I know Zanzala didn't have the greatest to start at Carlisle, but he finished really well, didn't he? Um, yeah. And when I seen he signed, me as well, I, I, I was a bit, I was a bit shocked. And then obviously Farmer as well. So I thought. I don't know if it's the, the length of contract or what it gives them financially because it's normally one or the other. Um, so, I mean, but I, I do know Barrow are, are quite financially sound. I do know that, um, obviously, through through speaking to people. So, I don't know the ins and outs of Carlos' finances, but yeah, I, um, you hear whispers. Um, so, I, I don't think financially... Barrow and Carlisle are um, uh, uh, that, that, that too far apart anymore. I mean, Carlisle are known as the big fish in, in Cumbria. Um, they have been for years, but Barrow are certainly uh, closing the gap. I mean, it's going to make that Cumbrian derby that little bit more fiery, I feel. Um, Ofren Zanzala, I was a big fan of him towards the end of his time. He's a big, huge, strong unit. He plays up front. He can bully defenders around this division, probably the division above. It was a big, big letdown for, for me and a lot of the Carlisle fans that he went. But I feel like looking at the way Barrow play and the system that they like to play, you're going to really get the most out of him there. It must be, uh, uh, you must have figured that one out. You must have seen him play and, and you must feel like he's yeah. going to slot into that team really well. Yeah, I think he will. I think he will. I think obviously they'll play him central um, and, and they'll, they'll try and get it up to him. And like you say, you can... He can get them up the pitch by holding the ball up and and winning fouls higher up the pitch and and, and things like that. So I, I do think he's a really good addition. Um, next to Scott Quigley, I think they'll be a right pair together because Scott Quigley's a real handful. Mm-hmm. So they're going to give some 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 defenses a some a, a lot of tough time over over the season. And if he chips in with the same amount of goals Scott Quigley normally gets over the season, you're going to get two strikers with with a fair amount of goals and. If you're scoring goals and you're keeping it tight at the back, then you're going to be on the right end of the table, which is which is the aim this season. Can you give us a Barrow one to watch this season? Is there somebody that really stands out and excites you? Um, do you know what? It was a strange one because the end of the season, during the season, you see flashes from a from a kid called Josh Kay. Now he's a live wire. Um, he's a bit loud, should we say. He's, he's forever arguing with referees and getting himself booked and things like that. But if he can just curb that a little bit with what he's got to offer, um, he's, he's, an exciting, he's an exciting winger. And if he can just get his head down and, and get a run of games together, I think he can do really well in League Two. And he stormed off near the end of last season. And I think they got the sort of agreed he would leave. But the next thing he was back 
a few weeks later he was back and he signed a two-year deal. Now that just shows you that doesn't happen with many players. Mm. They know what he's got to offer, but they also know that he needs to curb other things. Um, just by keeping his mouth shut a bit more um, because he's forever in referees' ears and he gets done for dissent and things like that. But on the other side of that, he's very, very exciting. Um, and as if he can get a run of games to get, get his head down, he could be one to watch. And also Jamie Devitt, I mean, you know what he can do. Um, he's had a quite, he's, he's had quite a slow, quiet start to his, his Barrow career, but he'll have a full pre-season under his belt. He's, he's been in, he's been in the building now quite a while, so he knows the surroundings and it's uh, it's, it's time for him to show what he can do as well. Uh, yeah, when Jamie Devitt went over, there was uh, a lot of Carlisle fans felt like the management was sleeping, uh, letting him go. Uh, he would have fitted. He fitted into your system quite nicely, and we all thought he was going to be goals galore over there at Barrow and probably help you guys stay in the division. Now we've just spoken very positively there about Barrow's chances going into next season, and you're not completely blank when it comes to how Carlisle have been doing either. So what I'm going to ask you, Mark, I'm going to push you for a couple of predictions. Some league finishing predictions, if you don't mind, please. Where do you think Barrow are going to finish this season? Do you know what? I think if they get in the top half, I'll be more than happy with that. From from anywhere from midway to the top half um, is a big improvement on last year. And if I see if I see them in the top half comfortably come towards the end of the season, I'll be more than happy with that because you don't you don't get too you don't get overexcited too soon. They've just got back in the league after a long time. They just about stayed up last year. I mean, they were. It was touch and go at times, and and the board made a big decision by changing the manager after after appointing the wrong one, which they openly admit, which is you don't get very often off um, off chairmans and things. They're, they're never wrong either. Um, yeah. yeah, but they admitted they got it wrong. They got Rob Kelly in to the end of the season, a very experienced guy, a great guy as well, and he uh, he got them over the line. So you've got Mark Cooper in, who's very experienced as well. He, he's got a good squad together. I'm sure he'll add one or more before the end of the season. So if I see them in the top half. I'll see you as a success. Yeah, you listed off a lot of managers there in a short amount of time. Does that turnover of management not worry you going into the season? It might offset something? Do you know what? David Dunn was very unlucky. He, he was just on the wrong end of one nils too many times, which they had chances in the games. And if you get that bit of luck, he get, he's got three or four more wins under his belt and he carries on. But obviously, he, he, he got the, the rough end of it. They got rid of him. Um and then they brought the new, the next guy in, whose name I cannot think of, but he's only there for 60 days. Is it Mike Jolly? That's him, that's him. He was there for 60 days, it, was, it, it, it didn't go well. Um, but the the board admitted that and they got rid of him and Rob Kelly come in and, and done the business. So that was why the changeover of managers happened. But I think now they've, they've really, really took the time with, with getting Mark Cooper in and he's very experienced um, over the years. He's, he's, he's done good jobs at at a couple of clubs and um, I think they've, they've really took the time appointing this one so fingers crossed he can come in and, and be here for a long time because if he's here for a long time he's doing something right yeah <laughs> makes sense yeah absolutely uh, talking about someone that's been there quite a long time Chris Beach has been over at Carlisle uh, for quite a while now he's been uh, establishing himself this will be uh, the season where the f- squad is 100% his team everybody in the team will be somebody that he's brought in himself um, how do you see Carlisle doing this year? Well, I mean, at one point I thought they were. I mean, I, I covered the game for the radio at Crawley away last season, and I predicted they would win the league after that because they were fantastic on the day. Crawley hadn't, hadn't lost at home for months, 
and they were just powerful all over the pitch. They looked big, they looked organised, and they looked really good going forward. They were solid at the back. And I, I mean, people have got their own their own um, opinions of why it didn't sort of work out for them um, after the the COVID and things like that. But I think he's got to hit the ground running uh, with the way it sort of petered off and, and finished. Um, but like you say, it, it's the squad. It's his own squad now. It's, it's all down to to him and obviously and Gav Skelton is number two. Um, they've got a full pre-season to go at. Um, so he's, he's got to be aiming high, hasn't he? Because of, of, of where they sort of got to last season. And uh, where they got to last season. And um, he's got to be aiming for playoffs at least, I think. Yeah, I would say playoffs as well, but I can't give an official prediction just yet. That's for a future episode. So hang on for that one, right. listeners. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, I feel like we've done pretty good talking about the current day. And since we have an ex-pro with the experiences that you've had, let's dive into your footballing career, if that's okay. Do you mind us yeah. pulling that apart? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, okay. Um, let's have a word about your footballing career, which started at a very young age at Carlisle United. You were just nine when Carlisle brought you in, playing at an under-12s level with the likes of Matt Janssen and Rory Delap when you first came into the side. Um, being such a young man coming into an under-12s setup, the sizes would have been yeah, something... Uh, David and Goliath-esque uncertain <laughs> matchups, but do you feel like that maybe shaped you going into your career and that gave you the belief that you can take on anyone? Um, do you know what? I mean, I was just I was just a young kid enjoying just I just love football and I happened to be quite good at it. So I mean, it was it was one of them where in the school holidays we used to go to like a football camp at Carlisle United and. Um, we were there Monday to Friday, and on the Friday, my dad picked me up, and Dave Wilkes just came up to my dad and said, "Look, he's had a really good week, and I know he's a bit young, but I think he'd fit in with our with our lads on a Monday night in the under twelves. And it's not like it is now; it's not as full on as it is now. It's Tuesday, Thursday, and there's a game every Sunday for them now. We used to train on a Monday, and we'd have a game like once a month or something like that. It was we were more sort of back with our local teams, and 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 we played for them a lot more, but. To go in with them lads and and to see what sort of level you had to get at, it was it was a, I think it was a really a really good start at that age because there were obviously really talented lads and it took me a, a few weeks to to get up to speed. But I thought I, I did I held my own in the end and yeah it was uh, it was good. I mean I know I was young but it was really good to be asked to go and I, and I loved it. I mean, there was an absolute conveyor belt of talent coming out of Brunton Park at the time. Season after season, players were coming out of the youth team and into the first team. But you didn't finish your footballing scholarship at Carlisle United. Around the age of 14, you were doing really well at schoolboy level, county level. And then you got the opportunities to get wined and dined by some of the Premier League teams' academies. What's that experience like? That must be crazy. You must be getting sent free boots, free shirts, getting pitched with players what are your memories of that time um yeah it is a bit surreal at the time i mean i remember it on 14 um obviously the, the newcastle united scout was was barry robinson in the town and uh, i used to go to school with his son who was a, a year below me at school and 
so he, he, he knew of me of locally and I think he must have kept his eye on me and, and in the end he thought, right, I think he's up to it. So he, he obviously spoke to my dad and my dad just said, look, go and give it, give it a go, which, which I did. Obviously, I was... I was nervous going over with the with the big with the, with the big timers, you know what I mean? It was, I mean, I'm just a lad from Harrowby, and I'm, I'm asked to go and and try with a Premier League club, so it's it's not easy to go and do at 14 years old. But I went and gave it a go, and as I said before, it's it couldn't have went any better. I mean, I played out my skin for 45 minutes, and, and that's all it took. And I got took off at half time, and I got took straight in the office, and they, and they wanted to sign me, so I signed schoolboys on the on the same day as my as my trial. Who was the first player that you got starstruck by? Um, I think it was um, David Genoa. I mean, I remember when I, I, I went. I used to go. I, I used to go training in the in the like in the holidays between fourteen and sixteen with the with the YTSs, and we used to train at a place called Maiden Castle. And um, I remember, obviously, we went in on the minibus, um, all the youth team players. And, we get there early to clean the boots and things. And when he used to walk in, he's just, he just everything about him was perfect. His physique, how he looked, what he was wearing, just, he's just a superstar, wasn't he? And you're like, yeah. and obviously, obviously he was an unbelievable player as well. So, um, yeah, so I would say, I would say Janola. I heard that Janola was a little bit tight when it came to spending his money to the point where he pretended that he didn't know he was supposed to tip the boot cleaners at Tottenham. Uh, I always thought that was a bit of a funny story. Did he try that at Newcastle, do you know? Not not to my knowledge, no, but I, mean, no. I, didn't, I, I didn't do his boots. Um, I'd done... Whose boots did I do? I think I'd done Rob Lee's boots. Yeah, Rob Lee's boots and another young pro. We got put like a young pro and a, and a first-teamer. And Rob Lee used to wear Diodoras, but yeah. He was all right. With, he was all right with his tips, and he used to get. And we were the same size feet, luckily, so I used to get his cast-off boots as well. Uh, Rob Lee was like my first England football like guy. Did I when I, when you first get into watching England? I for some reason yeah. his name just stood out for me. Rob Lee yeah. was always the guy that I always look for. After that, he's kind of the guy that got me into football. To be honest, just the name Rob Lee sparked the interest. Started watching, <laughs> and it just sparked kind of from there. Amazing, Rob Lee. Well, wow, such a small world when you get these connections. It is. It is. No, it was, it was a- <laughs> He's a great fellow, yes. Yeah. Um, you went on to sign a pro deal with Newcastle and spent around five years, but never made a first team appearance or went out on loan. Were you were you happy playing reserve team football or the, did you have a conversation about going out on loan? No, in the end, I wasn't. I wanted to go and play some first team football. I really wanted to go out on loan, but it, it, it got it sort of got mentioned a couple of times, um, but it never happened. Um, and I ended up. I think you can go a bit stale if you play reserve team football a bit too long. You can go a bit stale, and you need that experience. And I didn't get it. Um, some lads did, most lads did, um, but I, it just didn't come for me. So obviously, when I when I went to Port Vale, it was my first experience of, of first team football. So I do think it's a good idea if you're a young pro to go out on loan. I think it's invaluable. Um, but for me, it never happened. Uh, you just mentioned that uh, after that you moved to Port Vale. It says after after Newcastle you went to Port Vale. But I heard on the Prawn Sandwich podcast, I have to give the guys a name drop at some point. Um, I yeah. heard on the <laughs> Prawn Sandwich podcast that the late great uh, Sir Bobby Robson helped set up the move. Now, can you tell us what the conversation was like when you were getting released, and was it there and then that he just put your mind at ease and said, "There's a trial at Port Vale there." What he said to me was when when he got rid of me, he goes. I, 
it, it, obviously I didn't get offered a contract, so you've got to, you're a bit disappointed sat there. Your time's come to an end, and and so the Premier League dream's over. But one of the first things he said to me was, "He was you will have a career in football." He went, "Don't worry about that. You will have a career in football." He went, "I'm certain of that." And if someone like that tells you that, I mean, it doesn't just happen. No. But it makes you feel believe that it's got a chance of happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went, "I'm going to help you." He went, "So just give me a day or two. And when he says that, I'm thinking. Will he get back to me or not? Who knows? But he did within, with as a man of his word, and within 24 hours, he set me up at Port Vale. And I was down there. I think I got released on the Friday. I was down there on the Tuesday. And by the Wednesday morning, I was a, I was a Port Vale player. <laughs> Amazing story. Amazing man. Uh, at Port Vale, you established yourself as a, a, a very good standard of football. You obviously got a chance to build up your confidence playing at a very good standard of football. But on your debut, it was a little bit ropey because you came <laughs> up against a very talented Tranmere player called Jason Kumas, who went on to play internationally for Wales. Um, on that day, did you ever feel like you were going to uh, get past two seasons in League One? Do you know what? It was the build-up to your, to your, to your first-team debut I mean, the week before, it's all you can think about. You want it to go well. You, you sort of get in your own head how it's going to go, what the score's going to be, things like that. And I th- I, do you know what? I think we went 1-0 ahead. But he was still after 15, 20 minutes. He was the best player on the pitch by a mile. And obviously, just my look, I was up against him. And he tore us to shreds. Not just me. He just tore the whole... He just he, just, he ripped the game up from start to finish. And I, don't, I think maybe a month or two later, he was gone. Um, and I think he was in the Premier League by then. Um, but as I say, the, the debut wasn't good. Uh, it lasted 54 minutes and I think I got left out of the whole squad on the Tuesday away at Cardiff. I think well, I was panic stations the, for you. <laughs> uh, the manager must think I'm, I'm absolutely useless, but I sort of worked my way back in a few weeks later and, and then I got established and, and then I felt comfortable at, at that standard. So it, was, uh, it wasn't too bad in the end. Now, Port Vale have one very, very, very famous fan, and that is uh, Robbie Williams. Did you ever spot him in the crowd? Did you ever have an interaction with Robbie at all? No, Did he come in the dressing room and try and psych you up? No, he didn't come uh, there. Um, his dad was always there. He's a, okay. he's a, he's a ringer for his dad. Um, oh. we, we never spotted him there. No, he was, uh, I think he was a bit busy um, with his concerts and, and things like that. But he was, uh, he was never there. But I, I do believe he's a... He's a big fan. I think he's helped them out with money and things when times are hard and what have you. So, which is good of him. But no, we've seen plenty of his dad, but he was never there. <laughs> so it was Carlisle after Port Vale. And this move on the surface looks like a player being sold a dream. Uh, come down and drop a division and save your hometown team. Become a local was- legend. Was that how it was sold to you? Was that, was that how the dream was given over? That was the plan anyway. That was the plan. Yeah, it was one of them. We were just, I mean, like I said on on, on the, the the last podcast that I've done, it was, we were just too far behind when I got there. Um, and we did go on a good run. We went on a good run and we were just so close to getting over the line. And it'd have been some escape if we did do it. Um, but obviously you've seen, you've seen next year, the, the bounce straight back up and under Simo, um, he was he'd done fantastically well for Carlisle. I mean, he it, it didn't work out for me in the four and a half months I was there. Um, not not massively performance wise and, and things like that. I mean, 
I don't know, okay, the results were good. Um, but it was just an agreement we had when I signed there that he went back on. Um, now, in football, you should always get things in writing. I got, I, I just shook his hand and, 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 and took his word for it. It never happened. But listen, I've seen Simo plenty since then. I played with his son, Jake, at, at work. And I get on great with Simo. Simo's a great fella. Um, he's not too well at the minute, so hopefully he's, he gets well soon. He's a really good man. Um, he's one of the best players to come out of this, this city. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's one of them. These things happen in football. Um, I could tell he was he was disappointed himself because he didn't want to let me down. It was, I knew it wasn't him. It was just above him. Um, and him and Dennis Booth in the, in, in the office were, were very apologetic. But apologies don't pay your bills, unfortunately. Um, and you have to find work elsewhere. So I felt let down, but I soon got over it. And, and then I went to the circus. That was Gretna. <laughs> now because this is the blue army podcast i'm going to try and sit on the carlisle stuff for a little bit longer before we move yeah. on to gretna we will cover gretna a little bit um just before we sort of sign off towards the end but obviously this is the peak of interest for a lot of my listeners so uh, you've covered quite a lot um of of your time um there's a few questions here that i don't now need to ask which is absolutely fine by me but it does lend itself more towards the quick-fire questions sort of uh, side of playing for Carlisle. Um, so what is it like playing with and for a manager? Uh, Simo was a player-manager when you came in to the dressing room. What's that dynamic like? Do you know what? He'd he done it well. He'd done it well because... You know, he wasn't bossy on the pitch, if you know what I mean. He was just one of the lads on the pitch. And that's how he wanted it. But he stood out a mile still. He was getting on. But because of the fantastic player it was and the left footed that he had, he was just a dream to play with because he was well, it was a, they call it a wand, don't they? And that's what it was. It was just a, it was a, it was like a magic wand, his left foot. It was <laughs> but but he's just he's just such a great guy, and everyone was everyone was fighting in the same direction. After the previous manager, who everyone knows who it was, Simo would come in and I think he was a bit reluctant at first because of the position they were in, but he done it, and um, his time at Carlisle was a massive success. And to play, to play, to be on the pitch with him was very easy for two reasons. He just he was a player. Once he went over the white line, he was a player. He wasn't the boss. He was just a player. Okay. And also, he was just unbelievably good. So <laughs> he was. Uh, that makes it even easier. Yeah, we got two for the price of one when Simo came in as player manager. <laughs> that was a blinder. Blinder of a signing. Now, um, one of the questions that we like to ask when people first get into Carlisle is what were your impressions of the city? But as a homegrown man, it's yeah. not necessarily something that you need to answer. But what we do like to be nosy about is what was is what is your local pub? What was your favourite place to go and hang out and drink? Um, being a Harrowby lad, I, I grew up going to the Harrowby or the Harrowby Catholic Club. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm always, I'm always local. Um, so they were my two haunts as a, as a young lad. <laughs> I feel like it's always good to give people a bit of a shout out as well on these things. <laughs> nice, nice endorsement in it. It's nice and easy that way. Um, so one of the questions is who in your memory was the most welcoming player for you? Who helped you find your feet at Carlisle? Um, do you know what? When when I went in the change room, they're all good lads. Um, I mean, Murph was the Murph was like the fine man. He was right on you. Things like no flip flops and things like that. He was a he was a busy man. Um, <laughs> but he was all right. 
But now they're all good lads. I mean, Paul Anderson, uh, Richie Foran, Craig Farrell. Just I got on great with them all. Um, it was it was. I mean, four and a half months went in there. It just went so quick, um, and for it to go so quick and then be over all over, and I'd left sort of in the blink of an eye, and it's just frustrating that it finished that way, you know, because I, I fully intended to to try and spend quite a lot of time being back. Obviously, I didn't have to settle because it's where I'm from, um, and it was sort of over before it started, which was which was the biggest disappointment uh, because people didn't get to really see the what I had to offer um, because I was at an age where I'd played in the league above and I'd done it comfortably, so obviously I knew I could play in League Two. And it just didn't it, it, it didn't work out, but it doesn't always work out in football. That's that's, that's the nature of the game. Um, and then and then I had to move on. But as far as as far as the squad goes, there were it was a real good team spirit because it had to be to try and to try and get out the mess we were in. Nice. So yeah, you did move on to Gretna, the circus that was Gretna, uh, the um, unbelievably bankrolled Scottish minnows that managed to get themselves all the way to the Scottish final. But it wasn't necessarily a dream for you and your time at Gretna. You didn't see eye to eye with the manager very well, and that kind of led to your time being very stop-starty in Scotland and nobody really wants to watch division three Scottish football from the bench on a regular occasion. No, it's brutal. Yeah. What was the, it does get better. It does get better. And do you know what? We'll, we'll probably, we'll probably get a part two uh, out of that one. And that's what we'll probably yeah. leave for part two. It yeah. getting better, but what we'll leave yeah. them on today, Mark, is um, your time at Gretna? Can you can you can you give us uh, some of your memories from your time at Gretna? But leading towards that feeling of relief when you got to tear up your contract and stick yeah. a bit of money in your bank. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? It wasn't. It was just. It was the manager. The manager didn't sign me. It was. It was. It was Brooks Marsden who wanted to sign me after forty-five minutes against playing against this sort of a. A team called Dalbekistan. I've no idea what league they're in, but they weren't very good. <laughs> uh, and I got offered three years afterwards on a fortune. So I took it. I just seen. I just seen the length of the contract and how much money I was getting. And I was still. I was back. I was still in Carlisle. So I took it, and I shouldn't have, but I did. Signed for Carlisle at the time. I had offers to sort of stay in League One um, and, the, and the and the top end of League Two, and I didn't take them to come back and try and help Carlisle stay in the league. So. Listen, you do what you think's right at the time. It's my hometown team. Why am I not going to try and help them? Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, it just didn't work out. But yeah, um, Gretna was just eighteen months of of pure frustration watching lads play in front of me. That that, be quite honestly, with you weren't they weren't as good as me. Um, and that's the biggest, most frustrating thing is when you're not playing and you know you should be. Um, and that goes for anybody who plays football because if you know you're better than somebody and you're not playing because somebody's got something personal against you, then you shouldn't, you need to get away. That's it, that's it. That year was the first year that I bought Football Manager and I thought it would be a lot of fun to try and take Gretna from that bottom division <laughs> to the dizzy heights of the Scottish Premier League. And you, sir, were my, my, my guy that was playing in every single game in the middle of the midfield for me, all the way to the Scottish Premier League. <laughs> so your stats, your stats told me you should have been playing in the first team. That's what your oh, stats told me. Yeah, that, <laughs> football manager's very rarely wrong. Um, it is. 
Goals up. <laughs> so we're going to leave a bit of wiggle room. So we've got a plenty to talk about in part two, which will fire mm-hmm. at the listeners at some point in the future. We can obviously cover your uh, time at Workington and Celtic Nation and Barrow amongst other clubs. So there's plenty of things for us to talk about when I next see you. But we always leave our ex-pros on the same question so I'm going to give you that same question so I don't know what I'm going to finish on next time we ever talk (laughs) but here it is here it is as a ex-professional footballer you would have been involved in a number of computer games such as FIFA and football manager now the question is sir have you ever played with yourself yes On the cup, yes, on them games I have, yes. <laughs> yeah, you do, you do, don't you? You do, you do it. Um, I do remember the first time. Uh, it, it was a bit weird seeing my name on the on the screen, and you've got like the the ratings next to it, and, and this, that, and the other. And listen, there won't be any player out there that's not that's not uh, done the same thing. That's for sure. <laughs> it must be a buzz the first time you see your name and you get it to is. move it around the pitch. That must be so cool. <laughs> it is, it is, of course, it is, and you and you make yourself captain and you take all the penalties and do everything. So <laughs> you take over at England, you call yourself up. <laughs> <laughs> that's it well Mark thank you very 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 much for joining me on the Blue Army podcast I hope you don't mind just sticking around for one minute after we say goodbye to the listeners I need to ask you just a little favour but for now that has been it from this episode of the Blue Army podcast thank you very much to Mr Mark Boyd for joining us and we'll see you later mate thanks a lot pleasure see you mate thanks very much thanks very much thank you mate thank you bye 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 all right then, me marrows. That seems to be the end of the episode this week, and so concludes the end of our summer schedule. So, uh, yeah, go back and listen to the summer schedule if you get a chance. It's uh, it's some good content, to be honest. I'm happy with those interviews. I'm happy with those experiences. and quite happy with those shows. And we've got ourselves a nice little collection of content, which is a bit timeless, apart from the moments where we talk about the Euros. Um, so, yeah, very happy about that. Thank you one more time to Mr. Mark Skip Boyd for the interview. Uh, for the entire summer, I've got to thank a few people, I think. There's Wills is going to be thanked. Liam Denwood from the Blue Army TV. Thank you for going to war with me at one point of the summer. Obviously, uh, the Afro goal machine, uh, Jay Price. Then we had Alex Mitchell. We also had Derek Holmes twice. He answered your questions. So, yeah, just an amazing summer. I've had a fantastic time. I've really enjoyed it, and I can't wait to sink my teeth into next season. Before we do that, though, we've got to conclude this episode. And as we know, we conclude every Blue Army podcast episode by getting loud and local about something in our area. And it's a band or it's a podcast or uh, it's just something that's worth shouting about. So once again, I'm going to reach out to you guys. If you want to plug something on this podcast, get in touch and I will do it in this section at the end of the podcast for free. I will do it for free. Free promotion. 
That's right, just for free, out of the kindness of me bloody heart, just because I know how much talent there is in this small region of our small country, and it just needs a bit more exposure, just a little bit more exposure. And you might be thinking, oh Liam, there's only about six people that listen to this podcast anyway, so it's not like you're going to get loads of new customers for somebody, but that's not the point, okay? The point is that you try. And people really, really appreciate it when you try. And that's quite good advice for life in general. And I feel like I don't want like to, uh, to to get all philosophical, so I'm not going to go down that route. That might be another podcast in the future where Skelly gets all philosophical. But let's conclude the end of the summer schedule with perhaps one of my favourite bands in Cumbria. They're known as Beach Master, they're one of the few bands that actually got in touch with me, and I always like it when that happens, and I'll always try and do my best for bands that get in contact with me, so I don't have to go looking for music all the time. So yeah, in fact, do you know what else these lads have done from Beachmaster? They've done their own introduction to their own song. So I'm going to pass over to Rob from Beachmaster and yeah he's going to he's going to introduce the song he's going to introduce the band and uh, that's going to end the show so that's enough from me Skelly this week thank you to everybody thank you to you for listening as always give us a like give us a subscribe give us a comment you know there's not there's not that many comments on the Podbeam and uh, iTunes and and things like that so give, give us a comment just even if it's just an emoji even if it's just a thumbs up or something it goes a long way to the exposure of this program and uh, that's 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 just you know big thumbs up if you if you've got the time just to just to smash an emoji on your keyboard and hit enter in the comment section i'd really appreciate that try and stay away from the 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 one that's a pile of dog crap though i don't think that's going to help the show very much but your opinion is your opinion and and i've asked for it now so bollocks i wish i never said anything anyway maras it's enough from me this is rob from Beachmaster, and this is also the end of the blue army podcast's summer schedule this has been episode 29 the season kicks off next week Carlisle versus Colchester where Wills will be back with me Skelly on the old zoom and he'll be going to the Colchester game so he'll have lots and lots and lots and lots and lots to talk about thanks very much for listening bye for now Maris over to you Rob hi I'm Rob from Beachmaster and this is our new single Doctors for Transparency Our new album, Mass, is out on September 24th. Come see us live at the Brickyard, where we'll be celebrating the album launch. Cheers. Scoop out all the marrow from my worn and rusted bones Kinda needed where I'm going Tear away my arms and legs I never cared too much for them But I bet you blood these veins got killed to let Got some things I don't need But your money's not worth the ashes Say you wanna tear it up Throw it in the ground that paper's worth as much to me as these words on some pre-line sheet Words to some shit song I wrote down Cause it's a long way down You won't find your way
call the doctor if you like To take you away to the madhouse for the rest of your life Your brown and yellow stained sheets, your swords Your mattress brings to the emperor's decorate Shattered fragments of your mind Cause it's a long way down You won't find your way back up Yeah, it's a hard way out You won't find your way back up You won't find your way back up I was in line when I said I'm shit out of luck And you won't find your way back up Cause it's a long way down You won't find your way back up Yeah, it's a hard way out You won't find your way back up The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.